Hello and welcome to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. My name is Kyle Case and I'll be your host on this amazing journey as we attempt to help you get the most out of your life. Joining me in the studio today is my co-pilot, Jeff Harding. Jeff, how's your heart today? How's my heart today? How is your heart today? You, you threw a curve at me. <laughs> you thought I was just going to say, how, how you doing today? Yeah, my heart is fine as far as I know. I haven't had it checked in a while, but as far as I know, it's beating and getting blood to all ports of my body, so it's doing okay. Well, that, that's exactly what you want your heart to do. And how's your heart doing, Kyle? It's doing great. Thank well, you. Great. Thanks for asking. Yeah, the heart, it's pretty important. Yeah, I kind of, need, I'm kind of attached to it. You need one of those things working the right way inside of you. If, only if you want to be alive. Only if you want to live, right? Right. Well, today I want to talk a little bit about heart health, and specifically, Jeff, I want to talk about seven silent signs of a heart attack. Well, if they're silent, how do you know they're there? Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. I'm going to tell you, and then you'll know. Oh, so it's, they're not really silent. It's just that they're we're, silent because they don't make them. noises. Kind of ignore them. Okay. Yeah. So but like I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you what they are, and then you'll like be like, oh, now up, I get it. It's like when your grandkids upstairs and you can't hear them. That's when you, you need to worry about them. <laughs> you know, there's something bad going on, right? Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, Jeff. More than one million Americans suffer a heart attack every single year. Right. And there are some traditional symptoms that most of us are familiar with. Chest pain, pressure, cold mm-hmm. sweat, extreme weakness. Those are things that we kind of know about right. from, from a, a heart attack standpoint. But there are more subtle signs you're having or are about to have a heart attack that are very easy to miss. Okay. And noticing these heart attack signs early and then getting prompt treatment can really be important and can even potentially save your life. So uh, these are things that are important. The problem is that's a little bit tricky because any one of these symptoms doesn't necessarily mean that you will have a heart attack. Or if that you have you, a multiple, you, know, you might want to be careful. Well, all of them are things that you need to listen okay. to, right? Right, right. So uh, here's the list. Listen to the list and listen to your body. And by the way, this is all according to an article that I found in the Reader's Digest by Alyssa Jung. Okay. Okay. Great. Number one, fatigue. Are you yeah. having a heart attack, Jeff? Well, not right now, but I, I do every night if that's the case. <laughs> At the end of the day, you're yes. feeling fatigued. Yes. Dr. Stacy E. Rosen. She is a Go Red for Women cardiologist at North Shore Healthcare System. She says this is one of the most common symptoms that she sees, especially in women heart attack patients. Experts say that people on the verge of a heart attack report feeling tired and not able to do their usual activities. During a heart attack, blood flow to the heart is reduced, Mm -hmm. which puts extra stress on the muscle, which makes you feel exhausted. And if you're feeling extreme fatigue and you're not used to that, that's something that you ought to at least be aware of. Okay. Number two, soreness in the back arm or chest. Yeah. So noticeable pain or soreness in the back arm or chest area is often a silent heart attack sign. As myheartsisters.org explains, when heart muscles cells begin to run out of oxygen during a heart attack because of a blocked artery, which prevents oxygenated blood from feeding into that muscle, Mm -hmm. they begin to send off pain signals throughout the nervous system. Your brain may confuse those nerve signals with signals coming from your arm or your jaw, your shoulder, your elbow, your neck, or your upper back because of the nerve proximity. Mm -hmm. And because the pain is often not accompanied by that typical chest heaviness that we hear about that's associated with heart attacks, Mm -hmm. people do have a tendency to ignore that. But if that symptom, that that pain in your arm, your jaw, your shoulder, your elbow, it's unexplained, if it's something new, that's worrisome and you ought to consider uh, taking it seriously. Right. And potentially seeing a doctor. The next one, shortness of breath. 
If a flight of stairs is usually no problem for you, but suddenly you find yourself gasping for air at the top of the stairs, Mm -hmm. uh, it potentially could signal a heart attack. Women especially notice when walking up steps or carrying groceries, feeling fatigued or breathless when they normally wouldn't. Also, if you feel short of breath right after you wake up, that's not a good sign. Nope. It's a sign that something could be wrong. The heart plays a key role in transporting oxygen to the rest of your body and removing carbon dioxide from the tissues. So blocked blood flow to the heart could affect your breathing. If you don't normally find yourself out of breath and all of a sudden you're getting out of breath, that's something that you ought to be aware of and maybe right. get it checked Go see out. The doctor. Another one, heartburn or belching. Hmm. If you have occasional heartburn after you eat a heavy pizza lunch, that's not necessarily something you right. need to worry about. But if it's out of the ordinary or heartburn has never bothered you before and all of a sudden you're having it, it may be a signal of a heart attack. Angina is a heartburn-like chest pain. It's caused by lack of blood flow to the heart, and that is what happens during a heart attack. So again, um, by itself, not necessarily something crazy, but if it's out of the ordinary, something you need to be aware of. And then um, a couple of other things really quickly, an upset stomach. Uh, Mm -hmm. Again, all by itself, not necessarily an indicator, but heart attack symptoms can sometimes mimic stomach problems like nausea, vomiting, or overall GI upset. This Mm -hmm. is, again, once again, especially in women. If you don't feel well, call your doctor. It may be that you ate too many tacos. If you did, probably (laughs) that could be the case, yes. But it also could be a silent symptom of a heart attack, which could turn out to be pretty catastrophic. So as always, Mm. it's better safe than sorry. Right. Uh, They also say throat, neck, or jaw discomfort. If you have unexplained discomfort of the neck or jaw or a tightness in the throat that you've never felt before, that can indicate a heart attack. You should immediately contact your doctor. Doctor, It's especially important for people with diabetes to pay attention to the subtle changes like this because they sometimes have trouble feeling sensations. They're less likely to feel the typical symptoms like chest pain. So if you're diabetic and you're feeling some of these things that we've talked about, it's worth taking it seriously, sure. just getting it checked out. The last thing is an overall feeling that something's wrong. Mm. And uh, doctors have found that many heart attack patients oftentimes say that they had just this feeling of doom, like something's just not right. And anxiety. And they recommend listening to that little voice in your head. If something feels off, it's always better to be overly cautious and call a doctor. Some patients have also reported feeling less mentally sharp right before a heart attack. And again, Jeff, like I said, any one of these things by themselves doesn't necessarily mean you need to panic that you're having a heart attack. But if these things are out of the ordinary, if you're not used to feeling these things, mm-hmm. um, again, it's better safe than sorry. Right, so right. get it checked out. That's a good plan. Yeah. And on that happy note. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling <laughs> so excited. Let's, uh, let's shift gears a little bit. We're going to introduce our guest today. Jeff, I'm very excited to introduce our guest. Jeff, um, Jen Spieldenner is uh, joining us. She's a professional triathlete. Yes, she, she is. She says that she grew up swimming in middle school because... A boy that she liked was a swimmer. Oh, my goodness. And then she continued to run in high school because her best friend ran. But she did her first triathlon in 2003 as a senior in high school, and she found her sport. She went on to uh, be a member of the national team from 2004 to 2012. She did her first half Ironman in 2012. And since then, she has won four of the 70.3-mile distance races. Last October, she won her first Ironman in Louisville, and she'll be racing in Kona in October. Jen, 
Welcome to the show. We're glad you could join us. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm going to have to correct you. I got into <laughs> running because of a boy. I grew oh. up swimming. Oh. But there was a really cute boy in eighth grade, and he got me, uh, and he ran distance. So, then so you I had was to chase there. him. Of course, yes, yes. Did you, and, and did you chase him or beat him? Um, <laughs> I feel like he was quicker, but it was super fun to always. Did you ever catch him? Uh, no. 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 Okay. <laughs> So uh, whatever gets you into sports, right? Whatever yes, gets you into yes, living yes. that active life, uh, whatever it was in, in junior high or whenever it is, that's uh, the important thing is uh, trying to get out there and be active. Yes. Um, obviously, you found your own course. You discovered triathlon. I think that most of our listeners probably know what a triathlon is. But for those that maybe don't understand what the, the tri means, let's talk a little bit about the basics. What What is a triathlon? So a triathlon is three events. It's swimming, biking, and running. And it can be in a variety of different distances. There's the sprint, Olympic, half Ironman, Ironman. And then there's even distances kind of in between all of those. Um, so like, a, do you want me to give this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like a sprint would be around a 750 meter swim, 12 mile or 20K bike, and then a 5K or 3.1 mile run. An Olympic would be double a sprint. So about a 1500 meter swim. 40K. 40K, and then 10K. a 10K at the end. Yes. And then um, a half Ironman is 1.2 mile swim, 56 mile bike, and then a half marathon, so 13.1 miles. And then a full Ironman is double that. So, yeah. And I think it's worth noting again, I think most people probably understand this, but these events are done back to back to back. Yes. It's not like one day you wake up and say, I'm going to swim a really, really long ways, then I'm going to take a week off. And then I'm going to come back and ride my bike. Like these events are all done back to back. And you always start with the swim. Yes, you always start with the swim and then you go into the bike. Bike is the, in the middle. Yes. And then the run. And then you have like your little T1, which is in between the swim and the bike. And then T2, which would be in between the bike and the run. And, and the T stands for transitions. Transitions, transitions right? Yes. yes. And that uh, uh, for for amateurs, that's where many people might lose a lot of their overall time because they're they're tired, they want to take a break, they sit down, they get a drink, whatever it is. For professionals, you really practice on those transitions. Oh, 100%. I, you know, when I first got into triathlon, um, I would put a piece of gum and T1 in my transition one because I'd want a fresh piece, you know, after the swim. Right. It could get nasty swimming in the water. And I remember um, the coach I had at the time, he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, it's a fresh piece of gum. I'm just opening up my gum. I'm putting yeah. it in my mouth. And he, I was laying it out before the race. And he was like, <laughs> no, 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 no. We don't do this. So, no, 100%. Like, you have your shoes clipped, like your bike shoes on your bike. And you put them in place with rubber bands. Um, so you're able to jump on your bike and you can put your shoes on while um, while riding. And, yeah, like, I mean, you're talking 30 seconds in seconds. transitions. Yeah, yeah, not. Yes. And it does matter because I have won races and lost races by two seconds. So it does matter. Wow. In a half Ironman too, which is like a four hour plus day. So I want to focus just a little bit on the distances. You you specialize in the half Ironman. Is that fair to say? I do now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. 100%. And so you've done full Ironman. I've just done one. Just done one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I think it's easy to kind of throw those numbers out there as abstracts and it's hard to kind of wrap your head around it. But those are long distances. It's a it's an incredibly grueling day when you're racing a half Ironman or a full Ironman. Um, it, it's uh, it's worth noting a mile and a mile one point two is a, it's one point two swim right? Yes. So one point two miles swimming is a long long ways to swim. 
Yeah, I no, mean, it is. It is. I, it's more. <laughs> it's more the bike and the run that is over. Like that's the part. The marathon when I did the Ironman was the part that was super overwhelming for me. Yeah. I had never run over eighteen, nineteen miles in my entire life, so that was that was a hard thing for me to wrap my mind around that I was going to do that. At the end of a very I long know. swim and a hundred mile bike ride, hundred and twelve mile bike 112 ride, hundred and twelve mile bike, not it, not a bike ride, a bike race. It's worth noting you're racing. Yes. No, you are racing, and wow. it is. I still remember my coach sending me a text uh, the night before. I said I'm all ready to go, and he just said, "Just focus. Like you need to stay focused the whole time." And I think that's very hard when you're going along that that long. Like when you're race, you're racing, you're racing yeah. for four plus hours, or you're racing for eight nine hours. Um, the, you need to be focused and that's, yeah, I almost rode my bike off the side of the road in Louisville because I lost wow. focus for a second, like in mile 105. So what does one think about during these long bike rides and runs? Yeah. How do you uh, stay focused for um, eight hours, four, four and a half hours, whatever race you're I, doing? I think it like ebbs and flows. Like there's times that it's easy to focus. Um, and there's times that it's not, and it's just bringing your attention to the present what you're presently doing. So you're focused. So you're thinking about, okay, I've got to run. I have a competitor back here. I have a person up in front of me that I'm trying to catch. I mean, you're, you're, those kinds of thoughts going through your mind, strategic um, thoughts. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's important to not like, especially like when you're on the bike, you shouldn't be thinking like, Oh my, Oh my goodness. I have to run a half marathon or I have to run a marathon after that. That is not no, what you should no. be thinking. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would concur with that. You should just be thinking about doing the best that you can in the moment, the moment to get yourself right. through you know, through the miles that you're riding. And like, I have learned with doing the halves and the full, just one full, but there are a lot of like ups and downs because you are going so long. There's going to be times that you don't feel good. There'll be times that you feel great. And it's just kind of riding that roller coaster and not getting super emotional when you feel terrible or getting, or getting way too excited when you feel great. Um, Mm -hmm. I think too, I can be an emotional racer. And I know like when I see my family, it's like, oh, I get super excited, and if I'm doing well, I want to, like, hustle and go faster, yeah. but that's... You need to keep your pace. You need to keep to your plan and stick to your, yeah, stick mm. to your pace. That's awesome. I, I loved what you said. Do the best that you can do in the moment that you're in. I think that's good advice for sports, and I think that's good advice for life. Yeah. For sure. You're listening to the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life, and we're visiting with Jen Spieldenner, a professional triathlete. Um, we're talking about triathlons in, in general. I'm curious, you've done this for how many years now, Jen? Too many. I guess um, <laughs> I did my first in 03. I basically was a professional right away, um, but I went to college. When I graduated in college in 08, then I've done it full-time. So this is my 11th year doing it full-time. So you've you've been very ingrained in the culture. Um, obviously, you've seen a lot of ups and probably some downs as well throughout that whole process. What has the sport of triathlon taught you that mm. one day when you hang up your your uh, running shoes and your goggles, you'll look back on and say, I'm so glad I did that because this is what I've learned? I think resiliency. I think it's taught me how to, it's 100% taught me that I'm a lot stronger than I ever, th- you're, you are stronger than you ever think you are. Um, and it's just all about pushing forward and doing your best and never giving up. Like I think this sport has knocked me down um, through injury, through poor performances, but it's also taught me that I have all the tools 
and I have great people around me that I'm able to pick myself back up and keep going. What a, what a valuable lesson yeah, as well. Yeah, 100%. Um, I, Jen, want to make this clear. I am not a triathlete. <laughs> I don't consider myself a triathlete, but I've done a couple of triathlons. And there's a difference, I think, between someone who is a triathlete and someone who's done a couple of triathlons. I've done a couple of triathlons. And I would, I would agree. For me, that was – I was um, – I think the thing that I learned was you can do more than you think that you can do. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And uh, what, what a valuable lesson. And I think that any, many sports can teach us that, whether that's, you know, tennis or um, distance running or archery shooting, whatever it happens to be. I think that um, when you get into it and you recognize the skill set that you're working on and you're trying to improve on and you look at the progress that you made, which I think is very important tracking your progress, understanding where you started, where you are now. I think all those things can lead you uh, to, to that concept of, wow, I didn't realize I was this great. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it is interesting because I tend to be super critical of myself and super hard on myself. So it's funny because I always tend to look at the negative things, like what I didn't do well versus what I did do well. And that's something I'm trying to do better um, with is just cutting myself a little bit of grace, yeah. patting myself on the back when I do a good job, um, because I think it is important to reward yourself when you do something well and not beat yourself up too much when you don't do something well. Just learn from it, pick yourself back up, and then just keep moving forward. Well, and I think for, for you as a professional athlete, that that level of um, expectation and demands that you put on yourself. That's what has driven you. That's something that maybe sets you apart from the casual uh, athlete or the casual triathlete. Um, so, you know, there's something to that for sure. That's been part of your success. Uh, at the same time, I, I agree with you. I think it's so important that you do give yourself a pat on the back and recognize where you are and where you came from and how much you've done. And, you know, it, little victories, that's what it's all about. Okay. Yes. So um, I want to ask you, what's you've done this for a long time. You've, you've done a lot of races. What's maybe one race that stands out to you as just everything came together and you look back on it and say, that that was my race. That was the one. I mean, it's going to have to be Louisville, my first Ironman. It just, everyone was there. My parents, my husband, um, the guy that got me into triathlon. It was not a perfect day. It was so super miserable it was maybe in the upper 40s and raining um very upper, upper 40s yeah low and 50s. you're swimming yeah the bike was super biking miserable. and running in the rain yes and sounds miserable it was it's just <laughs> those are the things i thrive in i like when things are very tough um those are my type of races i think i didn't really have like a big build-up for that race it just in the prep for that race i fell more in love with the sport than i have been in a long time I think the unknown, not having the expectations, because yes, I've done this sport a long time. I didn't know what to expect. This was I, a brand new distance I for just you. wanted to finish. Like, that's all I wanted to do. I definitely wasn't thinking that I was going to win. Uh, but then when, when I was in that position, 100%, I wanted to win. Um, but it just, it was a, a special day. Like, I, I don't know. I, I think people can, when they do their first full, if they do that, or they do something that really challenges them. It, it's rewarding. I, I think back to that day, and there's just so many different little moments that are really special. So, yeah. Wow, what a great memory, and what a, again, great lessons that sports can teach us about life and mm-hmm. and our capability, our potential. So, just a quick question. When, when you saw yourself in the position to win, did you find 
an adrenaline push that helped you maintain? I mean, sometimes I've seen people grab defeated out of the jaws of victory because they, they I don't know, they, they let go, they, they lose their concentration. Do you find that little extra something when, when the goal's inside, if there maybe was somebody pushing you a little bit, do you find just a little extra oomph? Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I got off the bike with maybe an eight minute lead. And um, the it was basically between me and it was between three of us. And um, those girls were closing on the run. But yeah, no, they definitely were pushing me. But I was not going to <laughs> give up or surrender that. <laughs> no. because, especially cool. like at mile 20 of the run. I mean, I don't know if anybody feel has felt this, but your quads start to shred. Yeah, that's um, the wall, the right? That's where you just run into this. I've never. Wow. That's just the distance. I don't, I don't know if that was, it's more mental than at that point. It was all, it was all mental. The body was, yeah, just starting going. to shut down. So oh, you yeah, yes. called upon you your heart, little, your mind. A little extra something that just helped you keep going and, and, and fight through that. And, and oh win. yeah. Great. Yeah. Cause a hundred percent when you have that, when you're in the lead, it's like a, you're kind of a different, I become a diff, a little bit slightly different of an athlete. <laughs> <laughs> So you do know when you're out on the course, there are clocks and uh, like, you know, like, cause, cause in an Ironman race, it's a eight or nine hour race. People are spread out over oh, you long know. distances, but you know, you know, cause like for instance, Louisville in the was, front. yeah, you know, cause you, you also also have a cyclist with you that's behind you letting everyone know that you're the first pro female. Okay. Um, but you also know, you know, cause you just, yeah, you just know. And that's where you find it, right? That's where you find it. So I want to ask you this. Um, you've, you've been a professional triathlete. Most of us are not going to reach that level. But still, there's many opportunities to compete and participate in the sport of triathlon. What advice would you have for someone who's considering their first triathlon and is maybe on the fence? I think you should find a group of people that do triathlon. You know, if there's like a local, there has to be like a local tri club or maybe. Well, they're, they're all over the place. There's the Southern Utah uh, tri club down here yeah, in St. George, but there's also Salt Lake tri club in Salt Lake. So I know there are tri clubs all over the place. Yeah, that's, I think having people around you that have, has done it, people to keep you accountable, meet up, teach you all their tricks. Um, I think that would be a good step. Do you feel like. From a beginner standpoint, do you need to focus on one of the three areas or do you need to equally focus on it or is it an individual? I think most people that get into triathlon, typically they have one or two of the disciplines that they're very strong at. So maybe they need to focus on the one that they're weak at. Um, no, I don't. I, I mean, swimming, if you don't, if you're not comfortable swimming, I think that's something to pay attention to. Um, swimming open water can be very nerve wracking. Uh, I'm a swimmer, so that I I still can get sometimes nervous, but I've seen people be very, very, yeah, so swimming maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I will say on the couple that I did, sw- swimming's my hard part. I, I am not a distance swimmer. I can swim across the pool. I'm pretty good at that. But Well, if you get that one break halfway. Yeah, when I hold on to the rope halfway through. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that to me was the big thing. I felt like if I was tired on the bike, I could get off the bike and walk. And if I was tired on the run, I could always run slower or walk. But if you stop swimming, you have a tendency to just sink, <laughs> you know? I mean, so, in well, most, if you sink yeah. longer, if you can walk, but that's true. Yeah. And most races too, if people are nervous, they do have kayakers every, you know, you can grab onto a, right. a kayak or a paddleboard and you can also enter a race where, you know, the water's shallow enough where you can stand up at any point. And it's worth it's worth noting in the Huntsman World Senior Games, our triathlon is done in a swimming pool, 
And so we, we swim laps, but, you know, worst case scenario, you're going to be safe and protected. Yes. So yes. if you're looking at it from that standpoint. Well, awesome. Jen, thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your expertise. It's been a delight. Thank you. Thank sharing you. your experiences with us. Uh, best of luck in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. And all the races that you have coming up. Thanks. Jeff. Yes. It is time. It is. I don't know what time it is, but it is definitely time. <laughs> registration. Oh, it is registration. Registration well, well, it's, for the it's past time for registration. Games. Well, it's open, and it's now's the time. That's true. Now's the time. It opened on March first. We already have well over four thousand registered participants, which is a, a lot. We're we're anticipating yeah. about eleven thousand. So, so there's room. Half, not quite halfway there, but yeah, we're getting there. There's room if you're interested in being a part of the Huntsman World Senior Games this year. All you got to do is get registered. It's easy to do. Once you're registered, you can put it on your calendar and then use that motivation to help you really live the active life during the That's rest right. of the year. Registering is, as I said, super easy. Just visit SeniorGames.net. Click on Register. The process is simple. It's fast. It's secure. And before you know it, you'll be ready to become one of our more than 11,000 athletes who will compete this year. The dates for the 2019 Huntsman World Senior Games are October 7th through the 19th. So uh, take a look at that. Put it on your calendar. Remember to tune in live next and every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Mountain Time on AM 1450 or FM 93.1 for the Huntsman World Senior Games Active Life. And you can also subscribe to our podcast anywhere that podcasts are found. Once you've subscribed, give us a rating, write a quick review. You can really make a difference in helping us spread the word about living the active life. You can also find this in previous shows right on our website, SeniorGames.net. Check that out. Jeff, our inspirational quote from the day. I'm ready. Comes from one of my favorite musical artists, John Bon Jovi. Of course. He says, Jump. Oh, I sorry. don't want to live forever. I just want to live while I'm alive. That's a good point. Until next Thursday, stay active. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone.